0: Log Talk Radio. All the spot analysis. Am I crazy? Uh, <laughs> uh, No. You can do
1: it. Are we on a podcast? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, I think I'm going to come get some. If you want some, come. Gotta get Gotta get Gotta get my favorite, though. Am I? You're my favorite. Well, oh, thank you yeah, so much. I think not. You put me on the meter and ask me the question, and the needle would float. All right, it's another Scientology extra i get some addition. I believe uh that last voice you heard there, Kathy Schenkelberg. I believe her one woman show in Chicago has been extended through March nineteenth. Check that out if you can. Go to Green, uh not Green, go to squeezemycans.com for more information on that. Uh, check it out. I'm gonna be checking out she's coming in late March, early April to Tampa area, which is about an hour from where I'm at. I will be attending Squeeze My Cans at the end of March, March 31st. So I'm looking forward to that. Real excited for Kathy. Uh, on top of that, I'm going to do something I don't usually do. I'm going to talk about something that happened in the news today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and hit on that. I, I do have part two. It's a whole hour of, uh, of Aaron Smith Levin. Uh, right where we left off, he was saying uh, what Scientologists really believe clearing the planet means, and I had to cut it off there, little cliffhanger there. We'll pick up right where we left off. But I want to talk about something that Tony Ortega put out today. It's it's interesting article about Danny Masterson, you know, noted Scientologist, star of that '70s show, um, allegedly raping people and molesting people, and that they were encouraged strongly by Scientology not to speak for or come forward and speak out, and that the LAPD uh, might have been compromised because of their interest in their entanglement within. Uh, the alleged Church of Scientology I'm going to use alleged a lot here But uh, it doesn't surprise me that much If you give uh, that story any credibility that, that Leah Remedy gives It's not a credible story It is what it is It's 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 in the police report um, This police officer was sent by Leah Remedy Of course uh, via request To check on the well-being of Shelley Miscavige And he came back kind of uh, Half-assed about it, right? He was like, oh, she's fine And she asked questions and details, and he wouldn't give her facts because apparently her report and her concern for another human being is considered classified, and she can't know uh, anything about it. It's all very fishy, and it's very interesting. I'm hearing more and more about the LAPD. I, I try to be an advocate for the police. We need the police, but we also need the police to be accountable for their own actions. So, um, you know, it's interesting because I just talked yesterday. I interviewed Adam Gifford. He's a, a well-known actor, a character actor, a singer, and a voice actor, voice artist. Uh, I, I interviewed Adam for a future episode. He'll be on next week in two weeks on that Thursday episode with Adam Gifford. He actually talks about uh, some of the conspiracy within the LAPD and how that affected the movie he was filming with Lou Diamond Phillips back in the 90s. And I'm guessing if there was corruption back then, there's probably corruption now. And it Really needs to be looked at by somebody, and it's really disgusting that such a thing uh can even exist, and that uh such behavior has taken place. Of course, we know this about uh about Scientology, don't we uh interestingly enough uh, there's a new website out put out by Scientology to prevent people like myself from saying things like I just said about Scientology or to report people for uh for their bigotry and hatred and their crimes against Scientology uh, called Stand. And I would question sincerely that Scientology, uh, at, at its root, really understands what it means to stand for anything. I mean, of course, you know, we talked to Aaron about how uh, how the, the root idea of Scientology, the, the basic idea is to be a good person. They tell you that. They don't practice it. It's not really in L Ron Hubbard's writings that much. But I can tell you this. Um, the Stan website is interesting. It's supposed to be to report bigotry, like I said before, and it's also kind of a propaganda stage to promote the lies they've been telling all along and just reinforce them. And almost as a defense against – if someone heard this podcast, if someone saw some tweets of some people who support Leia Remini or saw Leah Remini's show, they can look at Stan and go, oh, well, Leah Remini is a liar. Uh, you know, Chris is a liar. Uh, these people on, on social media are liars. These people who speak out are ex-scientologists and liars because here's the truth right here on this website, which is interesting because this website details the uh, fair game, and it details disconnection and other policies and things that that have been uh, points of interest in question. And the funny thing is these, these things that it contains about these policies are true. Everything in there is true. But it's missing certain details, like the ones that really are the problem. So you just excluded it. So uh, I'll give you an example. In the Fair Game Act, the Fair Game Policy, rather, I'm thinking all this law stuff, all this uh, political stuff. But the Fair Game Policy, uh, I've seen that posted, the original Fair Game Policy, which mentions you can destroy anybody by any means necessary without being Uh, Without being uh, anything brought against you by Scientology, Scientology won't come after you or blame you or punish you for doing this because they're a suppressive person. Uh, This has been posted online by actual actively uh, practicing Scientologists as as a way of defending it by saying this is what it used to be, but it's not that anymore, and I find it comical that that, that's been that way, yet here it is, exclude it. Uh, From the Stand website, which is really just a bigotry, hate-filled website intended to defend against bigotry and hate, which is kind of ironic in in how they operate, of course. But it's interesting because standing for something means something completely different, and I find it hard to believe anyone can take anything seriously that's promoted by John Alex Wood, a man who clearly never stands when he pisses. Besides the point – besides the point – Uh, I think the best thing you can do if you're Scientology and you really care about saving the planet and clearing the planet and doing good things, probably the best thing you can do is stand down. Um, Besides that, I I look at something that happened to me last week. I was talking to a woman who's uh, formerly a victim of sexual trafficking, and she's now an advocate. She's got her own foundation. She's doing great stuff helping people in that area and I was talking to her about Scientology just to fill out her knowledge of that. And when she found out I was doing this show and that I've never had experiences of my own, she called it noble, which made me smile ear to ear. I was really excited about that. I thought that was awesome. Cause obviously being a podcaster and a public speaker, yes, I want all the accolades I can get. Uh, but then it made me kind of sad because uh, when did we come to this point? I don't think it was always like this, that, that, just basic acts of human kindness, just the idea of doing the right thing for the right reason is now admirable and noble. I mean I don't celebrate and take my daughter out for ice cream and reward her for making her bed without being asked. It's, it's the norm. It's expected. And I guess what I'm looking at here and what I'm really hoping for is someday I live long enough to see that acts of human kindness are actually seen less of acts of nobility and just more the norm. That's just how I feel about that. I didn't want to take too long for the show because I already got an hour of air in the place, so I kind of rushed through that. So I'm sorry about my uh, random, rapid pace I'm going through right now. But here we go. I'm going to go ahead and pick up where we left off, uh, which you've been waiting for, Aaron Smith levin
1: So, you know, the Scientologists believe that everyone is a Satan, right? So, that is Scientology's word for the spirit. So, you are not your body. You're a Satan. You're your person, your identity. You are a Satan. And so then you hear of the Xenu story and all these body Satans, and hundreds and millions and billions and trillions of these Satans have basically um, been abused to the point where they are very, they're, they're, they're almost unconscious. So these are Satans that don't even have bodies. That's, that's how damaged they are as Satans, is they were not even aware enough to go pick up a body. So by the nature that we've picked up bodies, we are already extra high quality Satans. Right. Okay, so nice. if you realize that when Scientologists sit each other down and they audit each other and they audit someone to clear, they're saying that is one thing in that has gone clear, right? So when someone gets onto OT-7 in Scientology, they are auditing. Six, they sit down six times a day and do a little 10, 15, 20-minute auditing session. And in that auditing session, they are telepathically, this is what they believe, They are telepathically auditing and waking up these body satans that are stuck to them, right? Right. And the the way they're auditing these satans, in many cases, they believe they have cleared that satan. And that satan wakes up, is now a clear, and goes and picks up a body. So, Scientology, current Scientology management, tells the flock, the Scientology flock, that if we get 10,000 people auditing on OT-7, there will be enough Satans being cleared and enough clears <laughs> being made that we will have reversed the dwindling spiral of Earth and and we uh, will have generated so much theta power that technically we will have a cleared planet.
0: That shouldn't be as funny as it is. Um... <laughs> Um, but you see, it's, but what I always thought was that, uh, so uh, if I got this clear, and I probably don't, the uh. <laughs> it reminds me of when I first read Dianetics and gave up on it. Um, we, we are a thetan, but we have other thetans attached to our thetan that we're trying to shed that are. It's thetan, Satan, it's sorry, I didn't mean to say
1: thetan, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> did I lose you I'm still, I, I'm still here I'm
0: still here man oh, All right. Satan so, so, so is there like a church lady for, uh, for Scientology it's like, is it Satan anyway go ahead I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: no so oh, it's not that the Satan's are stuck to your Satan it's that your the, these body things are actually stuck to your body and 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 Okay, this is a perfect example of how um, Hubbard oftentimes uses words and concepts that even for Scientologists are hard to digest. He's not just saying that they're stuck to your body. He actually says they make up your body. Hmm. And don't ask me to explain this. It's just true in Scientology. When you attest to completing OT7, you have to attest that your body is now transparent because the body things are all gone and look I've read that a hundred times trying to figure out how to make any sense and it doesn't make sense You know, it's not supposed to make sense you can't fix stupid but oh, that,
0: he's,
1: not, he's not just saying they're stuck to your body he's saying they actually comprise your body wow so but just to keep but just to keep it in the realm of something that can possibly be understood let's just say they're stuck to the body because at least at least mechanically. It's
0: easier. It's easier to, to comprehend. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it makes me think of Kirstie Alley. And I don't mean to pick on yeah. Kirstie Alley, but I do mean to pick on Kirstie Alley. Um, <laughs> so, so this is a woman who's one of her biggest problems, and, and again, this is not, this is definitely not to belittle someone with weight issues, but, but Kirstie Alley had weight issues, and I would suggest, and, and maybe you can confirm that you believe this as well, that if she goes into Scientology and audits about all these problems and gets close to the OT7, she loses all this weight, right? Because she's fluctuated. But she loses all this weight and she goes, it's because of Scientology. Do, would, would you say that's a fair assessment? She would say she would credit Scientology in her progress for her weight loss?
1: Well, to probably, some degree, but only because she would credit Scientology for anything positive that she could ever credit Scientology for. But, you know, like... She might say that publicly, but I
0: don't think she believes it. All right, so let's generalize a little bit more. Somebody in Kersi Alley's position with a weight issue might lose a lot of weight while, while auditing and go, it's because of Scientology. Um, yeah, that's true. When they gain that weight back, is the thought process that they've they slipped in their studies and they've been not a good Scientologist and they have to go back and do extra auditing, is, is this a thought process, you think?
1: It would never be tied directly to weight loss, but you know it might. Um, it What's
0: might a theory? Come
1: up as you know. an area, an area of their life that they need to do a handling on. Maybe get some auditing regarding, you know, treating yourself well and keeping your ethics in on the first dynamic. Your first, the first dynamic is self, and maybe doing an ethics handling and all that kind of stuff. But you know, it's just it's funny. Like as you move up the bridge to total freedom. Um, anything that goes right in your life serves to reinforce why you need to keep going and anything that goes wrong in your life serves as a reinforcement that you have much more to handle so you better keep going. Um, So everything is just used as kind of a feedback mechanism to uh, to reinforce why you need to keep going up Scientology's bridge, Bridge to Total Freedom. You would never be made usually to redo a lower level just because something's going wrong in your life. They would really be like, oh my God, if you do the next level... That right. Handle exactly what you're having trouble with right now, you know.
0: Whatever they can get more more cash for, it almost feels that exactly. So, so you're you're an auditor, and your brother was. And if I go if if I go too far into your brother's story, just let me know. Um, that's all right. Go ahead. But uh, he was like, I guess the word would be uh, a prodigy, to the auditing test when yeah. he took that test. And it reminded me. His story kind of reminded me of Nora's story, Nora Crest, where yeah. she comes in and she's she's she she comes in clear, right? She's clear from a past well, life.
1: Yeah, she 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 had attached to the past life, clear, That's right.
0: So, didn't take long for them to find problems with her to say uh, this is a problem. Same similar thing with your brother. He he aces this thing, and Miscavige says, "Well, you know, maybe." maybe we didn't do this right. Let's just make it a, a tougher test and makes it essentially impossible to pass. Right. So is that something you think? You think that's actually a thing with David Miscavige or with Scientology? They, nobody, can out, nobody can be better than the system because then the system looks like it's not working.
1: Yeah, that's true. But um, to, to uh, touch on a couple of those points, attesting to last life clear was very common amongst young Scientologists back in the early oh. 90s. Um, early to late 90s. Very, very common. Um, it was sort of seen as kind of a status symbol. Everybody sort of wanted to be a clear. And, you know, uh, and, and, and all Scientology parents wanted their kids to be past life clear, so they kind of pushed that on them. They kind of like drop hints that maybe this, maybe that. And um, once you're clear, you get to skip a whole lot of shit on Scientology's bridge to total freedom, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a, like, you get to skip, like, half the bridge on both sides. Like, the right nice. side of the bridge is auditing the left side of the bridge is auditor training. If, you're, if you attested clear, you can skip all the courses for being a class one to class five auditor, and you can jump right to the class six auditor course. So it was very, very common for people to attest the last life clear. So that's not something David Miscavige would have held against Nora. Um, now, there was something that happened where people um, who had attested the last life clear um, were getting onto the OT levels, and they were having a really, really hard time of it. Because just think that this is actually really interesting. Someone who attests to last life clear, that means they did not get a lot of auditing in this lifetime, right? Um, Right. And if you don't get a lot of auditing, you have not had an opportunity to be indoctrinated into um, thinking that your imagination are actual memories.
0: Um,
1: But in order to successfully audit the OT levels, you already have to believe that your imagination is not different than your memories right so okay. I think David Miscavige realized that all of these people who detested the last life clear were like failing on the OT levels and he went and he detested everybody who was last life clear they, they, he, he, put, he had auditors pull all of these people in and say sorry you're not clear <laughs> you have to redo you have to do yeah. from the bottom and so and, and that's a little bit of a tangent but that happened in like the 2000 2001 2002 from 2000 2006 uh, thousands of Scientologists were told they had, they had never actually been clear. And so a lot of people left Scientology during that time. Okay, so that's just my answer to why David Miscavige wouldn't have had a problem with Nora being last life clear. And it's not, um, it's not out of the question that, um, that uh, he definitely, Miscavige has sort of a complex of no one can upstage him. I mean, that is obvious. Whether that was directly related to anything that happened to Colin or not, I can't really say. Um, but he definitely does not <laughs> miss an opportunity to cut someone down at the knees when they're getting a little too much attention, a little too much respect, a little too much admiration. Um, you know, that's pretty much what happened with Marty Rathbun and, and Mike Rinder and Debbie Cook. Is, as, soon as, as soon as it seemed like they were actually getting um, too much power, he just treated him like a piece of shit. Just treat him like a piece of shit, you know, just take him down.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I mean, the
1: thing with Colin, like, if you remember the story from the TV show, the reason Colin, my brother, got kicked out of Flag was because Miscavige had decided that any of the people that were there studying who had ever previously left without permission were no longer allowed to be there. So, I don't happen to believe that Colin wasn't being singled out there. You know, like, there was there was a bunch, of, maybe 20 or so people.
0: Well, that's a specific thing, his, yeah.
1: Yeah, he wasn't specifically targeted as a person. He just happened to be a member of that group, unfortunately.
0: All right, so something that, um, that happened, though, is, and this is something that, that I think bothered you, was you ended up writing him up for a knowledge report. Uh, when you do this now now this isn 't to be this isn 't just to be personally with your brother, just generally speaking with with the knowledge reports when you 're doing this, you feel like you 're giving tough love you feel like you 're doing what needs to be done to to help this person help themselves by ha- getting them in trouble
1: I think i 'd be giving myself too much credit if I said that 's what I was doing. Um, I was a true believer um, at this time you know there wasn 't enough time to get into all the details of the um, deterioration of my relationship with my brother between the years of 1996 and 2000 um, you know because of Scientology because I was such a true believer and he was not um, our relationship definitely suffered and um, you know in the show when I said that, um, that he had disconnected from me first kind of and when I said that I was obviously saying that because it makes me feel less guilty about what I had done. Um, It's true, but I'm not just saying it because it makes me feel less guilty. The way events actually unfolded, I don't harbor a lot of guilt over what happened. It is a fact. It is a fact that Colin disconnected from me before I disconnected from him. It is a fact. It is also a fact that he did that because of Scientology. He did. It is a fact that he did it because he knew that's what we were going to do to him. And you see what I mean? So yeah. I'm not shifting the blame just to shift it away from me, because in my, in my mind, we're not talking about blame here. We're just talking about events and what, what occurred. So now let's, let's pretend like the events, uh, let's, let's speculate as to what would have happened if if, if I, if Colin was still actively trying to have a relationship with me, and I was like, no, I'm disconnecting from you, and, you know, if he really protested and objected and kept calling me and kept emailing me, who knows what would have happened. But the fact is, by the time I had sent my disconnection letter to Colin, he'd already sent me one. Okay. And by the, I, I, and one of the things I don't think I had an opportunity to say on the show is, um... I tried to email him many times. I did email him many times. Even when I was in the Sea Org, I emailed him, you know, kind of uh, under the radar without permission, just to see if he would answer, and I never got any replies. So, mm. um, the fact is, Scientology is still the cause of that.
0: Absolutely. You know what I'm it wasn't because you guys um, disagreed on, on other things in life. You guys were still brothers. It was just that it was all over this this stupid cult. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I mean, I was going to ask you about that, and I think you kind of just answered it. Though I was going to say, you fake disconnected from your father. You fake disconnected from your mother. <coughs> um, you That's truly right. disconnected from from Colin. And uh, well, but but you say he started uh, the disconnection process. No, but le,
1: but let me jump in there. But let me jump in there. When I say I truly disconnected from Colin, um, I had already. See, there's a lot of details here we didn't get into on the show.
0: That's That's why this was good. good. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Colin and I were living together in Los Angeles. Um, There was a two-year period from 1998 to 2000 where Colin and I actually left Scientology together. Wow. Hold on. All right. So there was a two-year period where we were living in Los Angeles and we had nothing to do with Scientology for two years. And then, um, although I sort of still considered myself a Scientologist at this time, and Colin still kind of didn't. Um, and then after two years, I was kind of like, you know, I had the, the church, when I had, when I had left in 1998, when I left staff, they gave me a, a, a $100,000 freeloader debt. I was 17 years old. Right, And I still consider myself a Scientologist, right? So after two years of living in L.A., I kind of got to a point where I was like, yeah, I don't really see what the future looks like if I just keep going this way. Like, I'm, I'm not in touch with any of my friends. I'm not in touch with whatever. And, and, I, and I can't do any Scientology because I have this debt. So I went back to Philadelphia for two more years to finish the contract that i had not finished previously right it was a five-year contract and i left after um uh you know i I left after being on post for three years okay and let me clarify something i don't mean to get too much into the weeds when i said we went to flag for full-time study that does not count against your five years your five-year contract only starts when your training is finished okay so i spent three years just training Oh, wow. And then I went back to Philadelphia, and I worked at the Philadelphia Org for three years. And then I left, and I went to L.A. for two years with Colin. And then I went back for another two years to Philadelphia. So by the time all of this was happening with me writing up Colin, um, I had already not seen him for two years, right? Um, We talked from time to time. We emailed from time to time. But he had already ceased to be a central figure in my day-to-day life, right?
0: Okay.
1: And, and I had, you know, I was um, aware that he was running into a lot of trouble, you know, some trouble with the law, some trouble with alcohol, some trouble with drugs, and, and he had gone to live with my father in New Mexico, and then he'd started going to college. So we were, and I knew he was seeing a therapist, so we were already on two completely divergent paths. And in oh, yeah. my mind, keep in mind, at this time I'm still a very dedicated Scientologist, and he's the opposite. He's someone who is seeing a therapist. He had started to take um, some sort of um, some sort of psychiatric drug. I don't remember which one. Um, and um, he, and then he told me he was, you know, writing these uh, papers about uh, attacking Scientology in his in his in his coursework. So then, so this goes back to your actual original question. Um, There's two questions we're sort of talking about here. Um, One, about me writing a report on Colin and did I think I was helping him. And two, you mentioned I real disconnected from Colin. Right. Um, So I write my report. At this time, the report feels like a formality. Colin's already not a Scientologist. Collins already hates Scientology. Right. All I was doing was putting putting it on paper. And um, I already didn't see Colin for two years, I I already had felt like I had nothing in common with him anymore. So, um, now that never would have transpired that way if it had not been for the indoctrination of Scientology. Right.
0: Right.
1: So, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about the events that unfolded and how they could have gone differently and what I could have done differently. And the truth is I, um, I worked pretty hard uh, earlier on, to try to salvage what I thought our relate to try to salvage Colin back into Scientology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my conscience at that time was completely clean, you know, and things just take a whole different, um, take. things take on a whole different dimension when someone just dies and they're not there anymore, you know what I mean?
0: That, that sort of so. snowball effect where, like, everything combined with your mom and your brother and all this, you start going, well, this was stupid.
1: Exactly. Like, if Colin were alive today, we would be connected. You know what I mean? Um, and so, but, but then, so so if, if you look at this, if I look at everything that happened before Colin's car accident, where, where he died, um, the fact that he died then makes everything that happened before that point feel so much worse, right? But it doesn't cause me to rewrite how I felt about what I was doing before that time. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you like, can't change. Now, the do I, do I re- do, like, now, in 2020, do I regret it? Absolutely. Of course I do. It's fucking terrible. But it doesn't... I, I still know that at that time, I, it didn't feel malicious. It didn't feel like I was being malicious. I felt like I was doing exactly what I should be doing. I, I wasn't conflicted about it. Um, and I guess what I wanted to say about did, you, did I really disconnect from Colin? I tried to get in touch with him many right. times even after, I discon- even after I sent him the disconnection email. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So that's why I tend to just to sort of um, fall back on. There was a lot, of, a lot of wrong things done on both sides, but the fact is neither one of us would have been having to do any of those things if it were not for Scientology and the indoctrination of Scientology.
0: Oh, absolutely, and that's what I was actually going to go with. You inter- you interrupted to tell your, your extended version of the story, which I'm glad you did, because it's good to have the whole story, and I'm glad that we're able to yeah. do that on this show, but the uh, what I was going to say was you kind of answered the question, because I was going to say, well, you really, you're real from your brother, but you did try to get in touch with him. You would have, had your brother allowed it, you would have had a fake disconnection with him as well.
1: Absolutely.
0: I believe absolutely. that. I totally believe that. Um I feel like there is a lot said about how small Scientology is today and how people are leaving a lot, and Scientology yeah. is a, a dying, a, a dying quote-unquote religion. I, however, I almost feel like because there's so many people brought in as families, that any time you guys grow up to be in your 30s and 40s or whatever and decide, shoot, I'm done with Scientology, the younger kids, the younger, the the, the younger uh, 20s, older teens are like, you know what screw you, I'm staying here where I'm going to save the world. I, I feel like there might be kind of a homegrown internal constant growth that will never go away uh, as long as Scientology is allowed to exist just because of that indoctrination, uh, that indoctrination and that current, you know it's like, it's like a farming of new members, farming of new yeah. members
1: You know, you would think so you would think so, so let's say um, public Scientologists these days uh, particularly the young ones have been have been having a good deal of kids. Like two two to four is more common than just one. Um, so you know, does that mean that every twenty years? Um, but but you have to have two kids in order just to replace yourself, really,
0: right? <laughs> right, I guess so. <laughs> so
1: so, um, so generationally, does that mean the size of Scientology should double? It should. It should. I don't think it will.
0: Right, hopefully not. Um,
1: It certainly hasn't. I mean, uh, the number I like to use for Scientologists is right around 50,000. I know some others think 30, some others think 10. When we're talking about the difference between 10 and 50,000, who cares? It's like, it's not a lot. Um, You know, I've crunched the math on it a couple times. If you take, there's about, if we round up and there's about 200 um, Scientology organizations, there's actually less than that, I'm just being generous, 200, and if there's roughly 200 Scientologists, around every one of them, then you're at 40,000 right there, and that's without the Sea Org. So, you know, um, and, and, and when I say 200 Scientologists, that doesn't mean 200 Scientologists going in and taking a course every day or every week, but there's a lot of Scientologists who, who don't go in on course, but still consider themselves Scientologists. So, you know, that 50,000, I just don't see it growing. Um, I think as the younger people grow up, these younger kids that are being raised under Scientology, um... They have the Internet, you know. I, I mean, yeah. I'm 36. I did not grow up with the Internet. I was not introduced to the Internet until I was 18 years old. Right. Um, I had email before that, but not the Internet. And I just... I just... It's hard to see Scientology expanding. It just really is. Um, it doesn't mean they're going to go away. You know, they could... They could shut all the doors today and have no new Scientologists and there's, they would not go... They would not disappear. I mean... If they've got $3 billion in assets, you just work, you know, just with interest alone, they could make enough money to pay the bills. Like, Scientology doesn't have any mortgages on their buildings. These things are all owned outright in cash. Um, so there's no reason for Scientology. To, there's no reason to expect Scientology as a, as a physical, organized um, entity to disappear. Um, there's no reason to expect the number of Scientologists in the world to go to zero. Um, there's plenty of people... who who, who seem to feel they derive more value from their involvement in Scientology um, than they do harm from their involvement in Scientology. Scientology has almost become a networking tool. I mean, I swear to God. Um, Scientologists hire Scientologists, not just because they're willing to work for cheap, but because they talk the same language. Um, There's currently enough high-powered people in Scientology that you can become successful just only working in and with and for Scientologists. Um, You know, as long as Tom Cruise is still in Scientology, you know, they don't feel like there's a glass ceiling that exists by nature of being a Scientologist. So, you know, people like Bob Duggan and Greta Van Susteren and Tom Cruise give Scientologists a lot of reason to keep being in Scientology. They're like, look, if people in our group are this successful and awesome, then why would we go anywhere else? Right. You know, like, if Tom is the most successful person in the entertainment industry, if Greta is among the most successful in the media industry, her husband is among the most powerful in the political world, Bob Duggan's one of the richest people in the world, why would they question whether being involved in this group um, has serious potential for them? So that's why I say most people that leave Scientology leave because they're pushed to their limit in one way or another. And I think if, if the Church of Scientology got a little wiser, they would just stop pushing people to that limit. You can mess with people an awful lot without pushing them over that limit. <laughs> you <know? Right>.
0: True. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you would just treat people a little bit better, you probably would um, cut 90% of your losses. So um, Scientology is small, I don't see it growing. Um, there's just too much knowledge. If the Internet existed 2,000 years ago, I'm not sure Christianity would exist. I'm just saying, I, I mean, that's not, a, that's not a dig on anybody. I'm just saying <laughs> that, you know, um, I just, it, I, I, I think they're just going to reach a status quo where it just sort of coasts along, and they have sort of a captive audience, and they keep telling those people on the inside that they're saving the world every year, and that governments across the globe are adopting L. Ron Hubbard administrative technology, and you know, making it seem like the volunteer ministers are saving lives at every tsunami and, and <laughs> uh, disaster site and it's just gonna it's just gonna reach a, a you know, kind of a, a it's gonna coast, but it's not really gonna do anything. They're not gonna gain more influence, they're not gonna gain more power. It's it's you know well, I, I
0: don't see that happening. <laughs> well, that's always bugged me because like Jesus, you know, we don't know if Jesus was the very first sleight of hand magician, we really don't know. But we know that Elrod Hubbard was a science fiction writer, and that just drives me up the wall. Uh, the, the the thing with uh, <laughs> the thing with Greta, I don't get, but that's what makes uh, Leia Remedy so important. Is because she's uh, she's one of those people you looked at back in 2005. If you were me, and go, why did she? Well, you know, I,
1: I, the science fiction thing comes up all the time, um, and it's like it's like it's like non Scientologists think that Scientologists don't know that L. Ron Hubbard was a science fiction writer. So here's here's my take on that. Scientologists, this is no, I'm not lying here. This is legit. Scientologists believe that the reason Elon Hubbard was such a prolific science fiction writer is because it was informed by his Scientology research. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so. This is true. So, like, so I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, and he's like, this man, and I don't know if this is true, but this is what Joe Rogan said. <laughs> he said, L. Ron Hubbard single-handedly wrote more fiction than any other person who has ever walked on this earth, and yet what he wrote about Scientology was true? And I'm like, no, Joe. Scientologists believe that the reason he was able to write so much science fiction is because he was just writing down the true shit. That he was remembering in his research auditing.
0: <laughs> <Do> you, <laughs> I, don't know, I kind of took that as a dig at, at, at the Scientology ratings. That, that this was part of that fiction, but maybe maybe I was interpreting it wrong. But uh, well, well, because it's the same.
1: I mean, the truth is, there's a lot a lot of what he says in his science fiction is reflected in Scientology. And the public, um, I say the public. Some people go like, well, don't people realize that he was just he just created Scientology out of his science fiction. And you're like, well, yeah, if you look at it that way. But if you look at it the other way, Scientologists think he was only able to write so much science fiction is because he wasn't having to make it up. He was writing about shit he remembered. <laughs>
0: do, do you think... Um, do you think O'Ran believes some of his old stuff? Do you think he was a little bit uh, suffering from dementia or anything like that? Um, I
1: believe without any question that he believed his stuff. Now, do does that mean that he believed... Dianetics when he wrote it? I'm not sure. Mm. Um, I, I believe, I'll answer this a couple different ways. I believe he did not feel um, his ethics and morals did not prevent him from promoting himself in a way that bordered on thought. I think he thought in Dianetics he had something workable and then wrapped it up in this marketing, <laughs> wrapped it up in this in, in this um, in this language That made it fraudulent But that he thought Dianetics was helpful Now Did he think Dianetics was a system Of hypnosis And mind control I have No idea But by the time That developed Into Scientology I know for a fact He believed it Because he audited Himself every day um, Dude, That's what control, I was wondering yeah.
0: What that? I was wondering Because he, there just Talk about that In, in the Antonio uh, Ortega's book Go ahead I'm sorry
1: that's right. That's right. So the people that were with Elvin Hubbard when he was in seclusion, there was only a handful of people and one of them was a guy who went by the name Sarge um, and I think his real name is Steve and he was um, he was like his, his kind of right-hand man assistant kind of guy and, you know, he asked Sarge, he said, look, Elon Hubbard was like, I'm still having trouble with these body things. These body things are everywhere. He's like, so at this point, he's going a little crazy and he asked Sarge to build a special e-meter that had enough voltage that would shock on Hubbard, blow off all the body things off of his body, and then kill the body. Kill his body. And, yeah. and this just shows you that he had he absolutely believed his own bullshit. Now, does that mean he believed it from day one? I don't know. I I've thought about that a lot and it's kind of fun to think about and debate and
0: all that kind of stuff. Um, well, I know he didn't. I don't think he did from day one because he's, he's quoted as saying the real money is in religion. And I know,
1: I mean, I, as, I, I, like, I don't know where that quote comes from. I think it comes from one of the publishers, but it's like, how do we know he said that? I'm not saying he didn't say it. How do we know? It's debatable, right? Like, right. And so for someone who, who has, if someone sits down and listens to the thousands of lectures that he gave, <laughs> it's so hard to believe that somebody was just making it up. It doesn't mean it's impossible. But the truth is, if he was just making it up, he wouldn't be auditing himself every day. Now, that's where I come down on David Miscavige. David Miscavige is just a fraud. He doesn't let himself get audited anymore.
0: Hmm. He hasn't
1: had an auditing session in over 20 years, if you believe the people that worked with him at international management. He doesn't act like he believes in Scientology. Do you know what I mean? Like, say what you will about Scientology. You are supposed to care about your fellow human beings, even if that only gets distilled into caring about your fellow Scientologists. You are supposed to be a caring person. L. Ron Hubbard was, um, you know, if you take the word of those who did surround him, even though he had a temper, he was at heart a caring person. Um, Mike Rinder will tell you that. Lois Restorff will tell you that. David Miscavige is not, right? And he's the head of the entire church. So you can't be a sociopath and believe in Scientology, really. Because even though Scientology, you can you convey as to whether it's bullshit or whether it's real, it, it does tell you to be a good person. I mean, it might say you can destroy your enemies, but it does tell you that your friends and your Scientologists, you are supposed to be good to each other.
0: It does, <laughs> it, it does tell you that, but it also tells you that you got molested because of something you did in your past life.
1: Well... <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, okay, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, but that's uh, again, no, we won't even debate that because I don't want to. I don't want to.
0: It's just
1: a lot. There's <laughs> lo- a lot to that. It's a whole another podcast. <laughs> so. I know, but that's why I'm saying. I mean, I, again, that's why I'm saying. David Miscavige is a true fraud in the sense that he does not buy his own bullshit. Okay, mm-hmm. he's in it for the power. He's in it for power. He's in it to dominate people. Al Ron Hubbard. Uh, he, I'm sure he had many faults. Okay, he was obviously a liar, a professional liar, but he definitely bought his own bullshit.
0: That's all I can say. <laughs> all right, I, I do believe that he knows what he's doing when he when he puts people up to framing Paulette Cooper. I think he. I, th- I don't think he's too crazy to stand trial if trial was a thing available for him today. Um, oh, no
1: question about that. Oh, no question. I mean, there is no doubt. There is no doubt in my mind, or I hope not anybody else's. That he was absolutely dead set on destroying his enemies, no question. Now, when you were in there, when sure. you were actively, go ahead. I'm sorry. Hmm. And um, wait, what was I going to say? Destroying his enemies, oh, or anyone he perceived to be an enemy, because you know that—that's what I was. That's all I was going to say. Anyone he perceived to be an enemy, he had no qualms about doing whatever he could to destroy that person.
0: Okay, so so when you were in there again, getting in your head as a an active auditor. You believe that Ron Hubbard was some kind of super genius with all kinds of certifications and and, uh, and medals?
1: Um, not necessarily. Scientologists don't really. Well, you say certifications. No one believes he's actually a nuclear scientist. Um, they did b- they believe that he took an early course in nuclear science, and I think, I think he even has said in one of his lectures that he flunked the course. Like that. That's like. See, Scientologists don't believe in formal education. They believe in out of the box thinking. And they believe that a, a, a philosopher's job is to philosophize, or is that the word? <laughs> um, and that you don't, have to, you don't learn how to be a philosopher in a classroom, right? So if, if L. Ron Hubbard tells a story about taking or enrolling in one of the earliest courses in nuclear physics at George Washington University, and then laughingly says, and I flunked it, he's saying that as a condemnation of the class itself.
0: Right. Not the class was him so himself. rudimentary, he it was just didn't understand him.
1: Right. Like, I was so far advanced of these guys, I, I was not going to be constrained by their way of thinking. <laughs> and I didn't give the right answers they wanted on the test, and so I flunked it. Scientologists don't um, really care whether he was a war hero or whether he was a nuclear physicist or scientist or whatever the hell. Um, now, obviously, I, I said they don't care. That's not what allows them to keep believing what he wrote. Uh, I, I think they do take pride in that. I think, I think they, Scientologists do believe he was a war hero. And I, I, I did believe that. I believed it, but I also didn't really care. You know, like it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. Um, uh, I did believe that, let's see, what else, what is it, what is it that's said about him? These stories of wrestling Kodiak bears and shit. I'm <laughs> I mean,
0: well, didn't right, he travel yeah, into right. the into the the atmosphere and, and travel to other planets as well?
1: Oh, well, Scientologists believe that, of course, but that's because...
0: I mean, that's without um, saying. He
1: said he, he would just go chill at the Van Allen belt when he wanted some peace and quiet.
0: Right, that's what I was thinking of, yes.
1: <laughs> right, right. No, I absolutely believe that, which sounds oh, cringeworthy to think about it now. But, but if you understand the idea of a Satan, and... Well, here's something we can jump in for a few minutes. Scientologists do routinely talk about exteriorizing from their bodies, right? So that's just having an out-of-body experience, but having it be volitional under your own control. Right. And, and, and they, they call it exterior with full perception. So being able to leave your body, but you can still control your body and you can still see and hear from where you are. Not through your eyes, but from where you are. Listen, Scientologists talk about doing that all the time. It was, I I developed almost an inferiority complex because I have never even come close to feeling like I was exterior. And people around me would keep telling these stories. And that, to be perfectly honest, that concept of thinking that I was just, you know, one auditing session away from maybe hopefully being able to exteriorize is what kept me believing in Scientology and wanting to be involved. And even though I didn't like getting auditing and I didn't really like talking about myself and I was never excited to get auditing, what kept me in the fold was this idea that, well, this is real, guys. Like, we're thetans and thetans can exteriorize. And once you've exteriorized, you know, this is what people say, once you've gone exterior, you know without any shadow of a doubt that you are an eternal spiritual being and that everything Alan Hubbard ever fucking said was true. No. <laughs>
0: because
1: if he was, right, if he was right about exteriorization... And if he was right about being able to put procedures together that would allow people to exteriorize, then why doubt him? Then, then why doubt anything he said about Scientology? And I've had friends who would say, who would say I, have, I have a friend who told me this outright. He said, I don't care if David Miscavige is beating people. I don't care if there's no OT9 and 10. I don't care about any of this because when I was on my purification rundown and sitting in the sauna, I went exterior. So I know... That science that we're thetans, and I know. and he says, I don't even care if Scientology is true. If Scientology can get me to be able to exteriorize and do that consciously, then I don't give a shit what anyone says about Scientology. I would never leave. Because nothing could be more important to me than being, ex- than being able to be exterior. So the concept that someone can be exterior from their body, if they're one feet out of their body, well two feet out of their body, there's no difference between two feet out of your body and two million miles out of your body. So when LRH starts talking about being in the Van Allen belt, I've got to tell you, Scientologists don't even bat an eye because the, the definition of a Satan, a Satan has no location in space or time. So the... Um, the, it, it's not even, that's not even something that's hard to swallow for Scientologists when L.R.H. says, yeah, I was chilling out on the dark side of the moon, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: like, it's like, of course you were, of course you were. Um, I would have do uh, that. <laughs>
1: uh, this is a big deal for Scientologists, this concept of exteriorization and, and OT. And that's really what OT means. I mean, OT means operating fame. But what does operating fame mean? It means you've got your, uh, your, your powers as a Satan back. And one of those powers is you're not stuck in a body. So Scientologists are hoping that the OT levels will allow them to go in and out of their body at will. And there are Scientologists who run around telling people, I finished this auditing action and I am now fully and stably exterior at will. And then everybody, you know, gives a 10-minute standing ovation and totally loses their shit. <laughs> because... Um, and I swear to God, one of these days I'm gonna sit down with someone who claims that they're, you know, exterior or whatever.
0: Get some examples.
1: And Well yeah, because look, how long have I have I been exposed to Scientology? Since I was four years old, I'm now thirty six. <laughs> I have never in my life spoken to someone who was able to convince me they had gone or were exterior. Right? Well you had that one friend. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, yeah, yeah, but he couldn't convince me. Like, It it, it never happened since then. That was like 20, it, it happened 25 <laughs> years ago. You know?
0: I have like... Ch- you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I want to challenge John Travolta. John DeVolta, if you ever hit, get a hold of this podcast and hear this, come to my house and leave a note on my refrigerator. Please, prove it. <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> I have gone exterior and left this note for you, Chris. <laughs> Best wishes. So here's that... <laughs>
1: Here's some of the conversations I've had with people. Okay, so LRH was able to go to the dark side of the moon in the Van Allen Belt whenever it um, tickled his fancy. And yet, then, then tell me why he needed to send all those people into the government offices to find out what they were up to. Why can he go to the moon, but he can't
0: go to the moon? <laughs> A lot less evidence, a lot less trouble. Uh, and this is all federal thought. This is all provable. This is all verifiable. This isn't garbage. Oh, Absolutely. it's not wi- it's not wiki as some people suggest. Well, you see, on wiki, no, no, this is actual documentation exists. This happened, and it didn't go yeah, exterior man. to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Mary Sue Hubbard went to prison, and it'd be like, okay, so why did you have to go into hiding in a trailer in the desert? Why, why couldn't you take your four hundred million dollars, buy a palatial estate in Argentina, and run Scientology remotely from there by just exteriorizing?
0: And telepathically talking to the other OTs, you know? Oh, Ron could have done that. I mean, well, he, he, he left his body, right? He should oh, right. oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I often wonder, you know, you you, you want to help people. That's why you talk. And I want to help people. That's why I put on this show. And, and everybody's trying to help people. But Leah makes a good point. Um, a lot of people... Who are listening to this show A lot of people who are watching Leah's appearances And listening to your appearances And Chris Shelton um, They're people who are already looking for it anyway They're people who are already Going to listen anyway Not They're not active uh, Scientologists That may be at risk of being disconnected Or losing family Or, or being abused or whatever the case might be um, How do we reach somebody on the inside I understand Tony Ortega hears from people Kind of you know under the radar Type of thing
1: so, so here's the thing. Somebody in their mind already has to be doubting why they should continue to be involved in Scientology before they're going to seek out any information along the lines of what me, you, Chris, Mike, Leah, Tony, before anyone's going to expose themselves to that kind of information, they already have to be doubting why, whether they want to keep being involved. And um, until that doubt sets in, um, I'm pretty confident there's nothing that can be done. But that's okay because the value of continuing to put out information and to continue to have these kind of public conversations like this is that when someone does start to doubt, right, maybe they're being pushed close to that line that they're not willing to be pushed over and they start looking, the more information and the more stories that are out there for those people to run into and listen to Um, the better. You cannot directly reach into the bubble. Those guys, because even if you did reach in, they're already proofed up against the information. They're already indoctrinated to believe that the media in general, and SPs in particular, um, are in the business of selling fear and hate and have a vested interest in destroying Scientology because they're threatened by the fact that Scientology can uh, free every man, woman, and child on this planet. So even if some critical information were to seep into the bubble, they're impervious to it. They have to have doubt in their minds already in order for any of this information to do anything. And that's why um, the, the more information that's out there for these people to uh, read or listen to, uh, once that doubt has started to set in, I think that's the real value of, of these conversations. Because you're right. You're not. Ch- are you changing minds if the people that poly Scientology aren't listening? No, not really. They don't know what's happening,
0: yeah.
1: You know, but, but you don't have to change their minds. You know, we're, uh, the, the more educated the public at large is about Scientology, the less people will fall into that trap, and the more information that's out there from former Scientologists and SEERC members and OTs and whatever, um, then the more likely it is that when someone starts to have doubt, they're going to find a story from someone they knew. They're going to find a story from someone they cared about. And that information is going to be out there for them, and I think that's the real value of everything that's happening
0: well certainly um certainly, there is something to be said for the lack of necessary uh digging. We want to dig much it's not going to take it look up Scientology and a whole bunch of stuff's going to come up you're going to see uh chris Shelton you're going to see growing up Scientology your youtube channel you're going to see my podcast, exactly. you know Joe Rogan, all that stuff's going to be out there it's it, I think it's phenomenal uh for anyone who does that. Um, I'm going to wrap this up a little bit here. I don't want to keep you too much longer. I do do something with all my guests, uh, Aaron, uh, called Ten Questions, Think Fast, and doesn't really have to go that fast. But it's uh, just ten questions. Some are thought-provoking, some might be silly, and if you're not comfortable with one, you can pass. Uh, I'll do that with you here. Have a little, have a little fun at the end of a of a conversation about the horrors and destruction of the cult of Scientology. Uh, but uh, I do want to know, you live in Clearwater still, right? You you and Mike both still live in Clearwater. That's right. Do you, do you sometimes get self-conscious about going to a restaurant and maybe that cook might be a Scientologist?
1: Oh, not at all. No, <laughs> it's not really a thought. I don't get self-conscious about Okay, it. good, good,
0: good. I love. By the way, I love Clearwater. My family vacations there every summer because it's like two hours from us. And uh, mm. I'll tell you what, though, it, more so now than in years past. Now that I realize just just how how much it is what it is. Uh, there's, a, there's a weird aura about Clearwater when I go there, and I think it's just because I know what it is. But I just I just yeah. feel like they're all over the place. <laughs> like...
1: No, they are. I mean, funny little anecdote. I was uh, selling a property. I do some real estate investing, and this guy, you know, <clears throat> I was uh, – this guy wanted the property, and I spent like an hour with him, talking to him, walking him around, and he said one word. He said one word. That made me think he was a scient. That made me know he was a Scientologist. He said the word cycle. He said, um, he said, yeah, my mom passed away, and I had to go handle that cycle. And that's a word that Scientologists would use. Right, a terminology word. And so, and so we're talking, and I'm thinking to myself, how the hell am I going to address this? So he's like, all right, look, as far as I'm concerned, we we have a deal. And I go, okay, you know, bring me a signed contract. And he goes, well, how about I bring you a check? And I go, okay, all right. I go, look, let me, let me ask you a question because it's going to come up later. Are you a Scientologist? And he's like, yes, I am. And I go, oh, look, man, I'm, I'm, me and my mom and my wife, were are all, we're all declared. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and he's
1: like, he's like, I'm like, look, man, I, I don't have a problem doing this deal with you, but you're the one that's going to get in trouble, so I'm just going to let you know now. Wow. And he's like, oh, man. He's like, I wasn't planning on having to go and talk to the ethics officer today. He's like, I really appreciate it. He's, I'm like, well, is there any chance that you would get it handled and come back? And I was like, yeah, I was on Leah Remini's show last week. He's like,
0: ah, oh, no. <laughs> That's it.
1: <laughs> and you, you know what he said to me? This, this, this gives a little um, glimpse into the minds of how Scientologists think about themselves. He said, you know, you did seem like you were really bright. I should have known you were a Scientologist. And I was like, oh, really, really? Or like, and, um, and anyway, I said, um, you know, uh, and, and he said, I really, I really appreciate you bringing it up because we could have been halfway through the deal and, um, and it would have all fallen apart. I was like, hey, man, I, you know, it's no skin off my bag. I just don't want you to get in trouble. So I don't have any qualms about interacting or dealing with people that I know are Scientologists. I went to my neighborhood meeting. Well, my neighborhood got like a civic association meeting. And um, there were 20 of us there. Three of them were Sea Org members.
0: Oh. <laughs> how, is, this, is this awkward? There's like the awkward silences? Or how does that work?
1: No, I'm like, as far as I know, these people don't even know who I am. And if they do, I don't care. Right. Because the 20 people in that room are sure not thinking negative things about me. They're sure as hell thinking negative things about you guys. Right? <laughs> and um, because technically the Hacienda Gardens where the Sea Org members live, it's like a mile down the street from me. It's technically in my neighborhood association.
0: <laughs> That's crazy.
1: And, um, and so at the end of the meeting, I spoke to the lady that runs the meeting, and I go, uh, can I see the list of the names of the people who were here today? And she goes, sure. And I said, because those guys over there are with the church, right? And she goes, yes. And I go, can you show me the names on this list of who those guys are? And she's like, and, and she's showing me the list, and she goes, I saw you on TV the other day. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, this show, particularly in Clearwater, is like the talk of the town.
0: So, I bet.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Anyway, that's <laughs> the funny story. Oh, I bet. Oh, well, I'm wondering. So, so if you would have, so he's going to go to his ethics officer. He has to talk about it now. He feels like, no, like he, no, he, he he's going he to protect himself to now.
1: Like he was going to have to go ask for he he was going to
0: have to ask for permission,
1: and he didn't wow. want to do that.
0: So Wow Would they have found out If yeah. he just closed the deal Without talking to anyone Would would that have been a problem
1: No It never would have come up I mean I was really doing I, It was really just me Doing it I didn't want to feel like I didn't want to enter Into an arrangement That later He was going to feel like I might have done that on purpose
0: Oh you know? okay
1: Um Yeah No I, If I didn't bring it up He would have just given me A damn check
0: Right, that's your career, I mean, that's your livelihood, so that it just sucks that you had to do that you felt but you you're doing something like really good there, so that's good, yeah, um, yeah, yeah so did your dog get a letter? He didn't get a letter, he just got a cold <laughs> shoulder and a fence. he just put a fence around wow, that's sad do yeah. your daughters now your daughter's how old are your daughters if I can ask ten eight and six <sighs> did he did he understand what's happening so they
1: They do know the word Scientology.
0: They do know that Daddy has a YouTube
1: channel and talks about Scientology, and they do know I was on the show. But they they do know Scientology is the reason they can't go to their grandparents' house. Um, They don't... To be honest, I've never sat down and spoken about any of this. So anything they know, they're getting from their mom. Um, And so I don't know what they know,
0: really. Hmm. I haven't
1: wanted to expose them to any of it. I think... But after the show aired, some of their friends at school started saying they saw, they had seen me on TV and that kind of stuff. So, you know, they're picking things up through osmosis. Um, but I've never had a sit down with them about it.
0: I'm sure it's a tough talk. I, I can't imagine. I have a 10 year old daughter, and if my daughter uh, had kids in the future, and I can't imagine anything making me not want to talk to my grandchildren. That's that's I know it's, pathetic. We, we, <laughs> we, <it laughs> sorry is. to say sorry to say that. It just really is. No, uh, it really is. It's very sad. Anyway. Hey, let's be happy. Ten questions think fast with Aaron Smith Levin. <laughs> and uh please at the conclusion okay. stay on the line. We'll talk to you about something real quick. I'll keep you like thirty seconds, nothing more than that. All but um all right. ten questions think fast with Aaron Smith Levin. Number one, true or false? Uh in the, oh, we kind of talked about this. Independent Scientology practice can be risky.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. You cut out. Say it again.
0: And we kind of talked about this already, but true or false, independent Scientology study can be risky. True. Okay. And we talked enough about it. Uh, number two. Um, oh, wow, we just talked about this a little bit, too, but we didn't answer this question. Finish this uh, sentence for me, Aaron. If I could tell my in-laws one thing, it would be... You're going to regret your decisions. I think that's fair. Uh, Number three, uh, what's the over/under on Scientology's fall? If you if you're going to see Scientology go down, was it like ten years, five years? What do you think?
1: I don't think it'll ever go down.
0: Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Number four, what's the best part of living in Clearwater? The beaches. I love the beaches. I love the beaches. Uh, Number five, true or false? Paulette Cooper has bigger balls than Hubbard and Miscavige combined.
1: True.
0: I agree. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Uh, I hope to get her someday. All right, number six, do you prefer to go to the beaches in the ocean or do you prefer a swimming pool? Uh, Beaches in the ocean. Beaches in the ocean. I do feel the pool is cleaner, but I'm one of those weird guys. Uh, Number seven, uh, while you're in C org you missed out on a lot of stuff, didn't you? You missed out on console gaming, T V, movies, all that stuff because you were studying. Is that not correct or? Uh I
1: I had plenty of it before and plenty of it after. Like I didn't join the Sea org until I was twenty two.
0: Okay. So is there anything you missed out on that you uh like TVs and movies that you wish you didn't miss out on? I wish I hadn't missed out on high school. Well
1: that's, that's high school sports
0: makes sense to me. Absolutely. Number eight, what is your proudest accomplishment? My children. Can't think of a better answer than that anyone could ever give. Uh, number nine, uh, what do you do when you're not talking about Scientology? You got hobbies?
1: Smoking cigars around the fire pit.
0: <laughs> Sounds like fun. I don't smoke, but the fire pit's always fun. Uh, number ten, uh, you're speaking out And uh, what do you expect to come out of speaking out, and what would you consider a – it's kind of two-part. What do you consider a success uh, of this?
1: What I consider a success is that um, – yeah, because my definition of success has nothing to do with tax-exempt status or anything. It has to do with – here's the best answer. Enforced familial disconnection being canceled because the church is shamed into doing it. That's That's what I consider to be a success.
0: All right, it sounds good. Is there anything else you want to say, promote, or, or tell the people out there before we uh, wrap this up?
1: You know, I, w- I would suggest, um, if anyone's listening, to check out um, a couple specific videos on the YouTube channel, um, only because the feedback that I get to these videos tends to be so, so positive. One of the videos is called, well, the YouTube channel is called Growing Up in Scientology. Um, the video called The Matrix,
0: Oh, I was enforced, just watching uh, it. The
1: Matrix? <laughs> yeah. The Matrix Fundamentalist Scientology and Enforced Disconnection is the name of the video. It, it, it's my effort to explain how a Scientologist gets into the mindset where they can throw away their family and not be too conflicted about it. Um, and that's probably, that's probably my favorite video. All my videos with all my interviews with Mike Rinder I love. Um, but if someone just checks out that channel and checks out that video, they might find that video is helpful. And also explaining to other people how like you said, you could never imagine ever not seeing your grandkids. But then why do so many Scientologists make that decision? Right. Um the video does a good job explaining it. So that's the only plug I'll make.
0: Oh, excellent, excellent. Now I I did watch the one with what was his name, Nick something. Um Nick Lister, Nick, Nick Lister Nick Lister, I commented on that and you're like, Yeah, regular Scientology stuff. He he was being asked to to seduce Mike Rinder's new wife at the time. <laughs> That's right. The this is church insane. literally
1: called him up and asked him to go down to Clearwater while Mike was out of town and try to put the move on who is now his wife.
0: And Nick's response was perfect. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> All right, well, well, please stay on the line, but uh, I do want to thank you for coming on the show. It really means a lot, and I think the listeners really appreciate it as well. So uh, I really look forward to whatever comes up next for you on your YouTube channel, and uh, I got your back, Aaron. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. No problem. All right, so that was Aaron Smith-Levin. I had a blast, as you can tell, talking to Aaron. Uh, So much stuff came out of that conversation. I will say that coming up next week, next Friday, on a special extra Scientology edition of Come Get Some, Mary Kahn. And I will say it's very interesting and very, very nice to get to talk with somebody who was there in the early years uh, around the same time Paula Cooper is writing her book and get her perspective as well as Mary Kahn's just really cool. She's really fun to talk to, so I hope you enjoy that next week. I hope you enjoyed this. Again, thanks to my guest Aaron Smith-Levin. Uh, Gave a lot of time up for this interview. I really appreciate it. Very open and honest. Uh, It is what it is. So uh, until next week, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Stay connected. And that about sums it up. All the spot analysis. Am I crazy? Uh, (laughs) Uh, No. Are we on a podcast? Yeah. I think I'm going to come get some. If you want some, come. Gotta get, get, gotta get, gotta get so My favorite though. Am I? You're my favorite. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. I do I, not. put me on the e-meter and ask me a question and the needle would float.